The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program. WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, WLHS, the Lakota Local School District, or staff and management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as specific legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on WMKV, WLHS, and the Maple Knoll Radio Network. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon and welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, where every single solitary week we work our fingers to the bone to make sure that you get the information and inspiration you need to start or grow your own real estate investing business. And today we're going we're gonna to talk to a little different group of you than we normally do, and that is the group of you that for various reasons are considering becoming private money lenders. That's a that's a big thing within real estate associations around the country. And sometimes it's folks who just have some money laying around and want to put it to use. Sometimes it's folks who are looking at a a a money lending deal as a way of kind of getting into real estate. Like I'll find a more experienced investor, I'll loan them the money to do the deal and I will ask in return not only interest, but also the ability to sort of follow them through it so that next time I can be the one doing the deal, not the one providing money for the deal. It's all, it's all good, except when it's not. And we need to talk about the ways in which the, um, it sometimes goes wrong, particularly for new first time, second time, third time private lenders. And to help me do that today, I have Jeff Shahusky, who has been a hard money lender since 2010. He's been doing this a while. And interestingly, before he started in that, he was also a real estate investor going back to 2004. Um, he manages an investing fund and through both like what he does himself and also his lending fund, he has been involved in over a thousand transactions, which means he's seen the good and he's seen the bad and he's seen all kinds of deals. He's done simple wholesale deals, rehabs, rentals, subject to his lease options, seller finance, you know, kind of the whole gamut of all the things that we all want to do when we grow up. And uh, Jeff also really enjoys getting back to the real estate community. And one of the ways in which he does that is he is the co-host of the Central Wisconsin RIA in Wausau. He's joining us today by phone. Welcome, Jeff. Welcome to me. I'm so Welcome. excited to be here. This is a pretty cool opportunity. It, it, it is. It's a pretty cool opportunity for me to get to talk to somebody who has done private lending not only more than I've done it, but more than I've borrowed it. Like you, like your total transactions in, in the private money field probably outstrip mine literally 10 or 15 to one. And that's the kind of experience 
we're looking for here today because largely the reason we're doing the show is it hurts me to see how many times newish private lenders get into deals where you know they're always coming to one of us later and saying well here's what happened what do i do now and it's like oh what you do is not have done what you did in the first place (laughs) it's going to be super hard for you to fix at this point and most recently and this was just in the last month um i had another you know older lady really sweet um you know best intention best nature who gave a rehabber 66 grand of her money which i'm i'm thinking she probably can't afford to just lose and she gave it to him for the renovation of a property that he already owned and she just handed it all to him in cash and it's now been 6 months the loan has ballooned the issue was supposed to be paid back last month and not only has he not done one paintbrush worth of rehab to that property that secures her loan, but he won't call her back. And she's just now discovering that she has a second mortgage against that property when she thought she had a first mortgage against it. So how many mistakes can you spot, Jeff? That's a laundry list of mistakes. And uh, the unfortunate part of reality is, is I got to tell you, I've probably got a list and a half of the number of people over the years who've come to me with very similar stories. Some I've been able to help them fix, some unfortunately not. And um, it's awful to see people in a, in a sticky spot. It's not like you're giving out $66. You gave out 66,000. That's life changing money to a lot of people. Mm Mm-hmm. We're going to walk through the right way to have done that or any other deal as part of our um, discussion today. And before we get into it, I, I, I want everybody to understand that our, our goal is, as always, to help you just kind of understand how to do this better, listeners. We're, we're trying to, we're trying to, we're going to kind of give you a whole laundry list of things that you should do before you consider doing any private loan. I don't care how much you trust the person. I don't care if they're family members. In fact, if they're family members, just write times two next to all of your notes. Just be twice as careful if it's a friend or a family member. But at the same time, like we don't know your particular situation. And uh, you always, before you get into, you know, don't just take this as a checklist and say, well, if I do everything that Jeff and Vina said, then I'll be fine. Always, always, always consult with your legal accounting or other professional before you ever write a check to anybody for anything. Now, having said that, we need to take a quick break. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about Jeff's own personal approach to making a private loan after having done a thousand of them, what he's looking for in a borrower, what he looks for in a property, what the due diligence looks like. So if you're in a position where you can get out a notepad and start taking notes, this would be the time to do it. If not, of course, you can always listen to us 
on the podcast later on at realliferealestate.com. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Fina Jones-Cox. My guest today is Jeff Shahusky. I have to I have to make myself pronounce that correctly every time I say it out loud because it's spelled C I C H O C K I and I have to remember what he told me about there's a husky in it. It's Shahusky. He's joining us from Wisconsin to talk about how to how to go ahead and make private loans and get what you want out of them. get your get your payments, get your interest and get your education if that's what you're in it for, but not make some of the gigantic mistakes that we have both and heck every real leader in the country has, has seen uh, folks making while doing these things. And Jeff, we're gonna we're gonna kind of divide this discussion just for the sake of of how helping people follow it into the four big parts of analyzing a private lending opportunity. That's the borrower, the property, the terms of the loan itself, and then the kind of the documents and backup, you know, the stuff that you put in place to protect yourself. When you're looking at a new, completely new loan, which one of those four things is like the most important to you? The person by far. To, to me, if I'm not doing business with a good person, it doesn't matter how good the property is. It doesn't matter how good my paperwork is because it's a problem. And, and if I've got to sit and deal with someone who's less than honest, I, I'm in a lawsuit. And that's the last thing in the world I ever want to do. So someone's character integrity is number one for me. Okay. So is your lending business primarily relationship-based or can somebody like just call you up and say, Hey, you don't know me, but I'd like to get a loan for you. Oh, I mean, we get people that request money from us from all over the place, both inside of Wisconsin and out. Um, although it's primarily in the state, but it's a lot of referral business. Um, but it, it, to me, it still doesn't matter whether they're brand new to me or they're, they've been in business with me for a while in doing this stuff. Mm-hmm. I still need to make sure that these people are good people. Um, unfortunately, this part of it, you know, there, there are things that you can do that are a science, but there's also some of it that is a little bit of an art form. And, you know, if your red flags are waving, it's not a good person to do business with. They could be the nicest people in the world, but if the red flag pops up at all, you need to not do business with them. You just need to stick to being friends. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I, I feel like I should probably point out here for somebody who might have just stumbled across the show and is going did did a banker just say that he's analyzing whether or not somebody's a good person <laughs> but when we're talking about private and hard money loans we're talking about loans that are made to real estate investors and only for the purpose of doing commercial deals like i assume jeff that if i called you up tomorrow and said jeff you know me i'm a nice person can you loan me money to buy my house? The answer would be a straight up no, because that's not the business you're in. Correct. I, I do not work with homeowners at all. I only deal with people who are in the business of real estate investing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you're looking for in a borrower, just honesty, you know, don't, don't 
don't send me a pack of lies about your property because I'm going to uncover them later <laughs> anyway when I do the rest of my due diligence. Um, I don't want to go on Google and find out that you've been sued 900 times in you know fraud suits or that you, um, I don't know, have, uh, there's an article in your local paper about what bad condition you keep your properties in, that sort of thing. Oh, but yeah, 100%. What what other what other kind of due diligence are you doing? Just just on the just on the the part of the borrower, do you look at credit reports? Do you look at income outside of the deal itself? What 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 is your what is your system? Well, like most private lenders, you know, credit score isn't as important to me. Um, it, it it can come into play as a factor depending on the type of deal. You know, if if somebody's doing uh, something that they're going to flip versus something that they're planning to hold, that there's a big difference in my analysis where credit is more important on a long-term play than it is on, on a six-month flip. Um, but, you know, like when someone reaches out to us and wants to borrow money, the first thing we do is interview them. And what most people don't understand is that we're not really trying to interrogate anybody. It's really more of an interview or uh, just a conversation between colleagues. It's the easiest way to find out if the red, flags is red flag is going to pop for you. If you're having a conversation with someone and they're having a hard time answering simple, basic questions, if they can't describe the deal, if they can't describe their experience, if they can't describe the things that you know most people would just think to be common sense in this industry, a red flag is going to show up. And so for us, that's the very first thing. And part of the other side of that is we're also trying to build a relationship at the same time. And so we're trying to cover both sides. We're trying to screen them out and we're trying to make sure that this is someone that we want to do business with long-term mm -hmm. um, because relationships in private lending are critical. Good, solid, strong relationships with good, solid people. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, we all have stories of, of the people that say one thing and do another. Um, and that's kind of what that, you know, our question and answer session with them is really all about is just trying to uncover, did they actually do what they just told me? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So this initial conversation is partly, it sounds like just to make sure the person kind of knows what they're doing at all, does that mean that experience is a strong factor in whether or not you're going to go forward with a loan? Experience is huge. Um, you know, I mean, we do something that's a little different than, than I think most of the people that try to get into any kind of lending. We actually keep track of all of our clients and all of our past people, and we try to keep track of everybody's success. So if someone does call me up and they're brand new as a borrower, they've never done a flip, they've never done anything, I don't want to say no to them. But, you know, they don't have the experience to actually complete a project properly. So are they a really safe bet? No, they're not. And so usually what I try to do is I try to refer them to other people in the RIA that I do know, like, and trust or other borrowers that I know, like, and trust that are willing to work with and help new people into the game. Mm -hmm. um, if I can get someone that's experienced in the deal, now I know my deal's a lot safer. And right. if I can't, for whatever reason, well, then, I, then, I'll turn the, then I'll turn the loan down. 
Okay, so listeners who are listening because of what we said we were going to talk about today, which was how to be a successful private lender. You did just hear that helping your best friend do their very first deal by being the money person is not something that a professional would do, but that there's an alternative, which is pull a third person into the deal who does have a bunch of experience, who's willing to help the first timer, who's willing to maybe provide contractors, maybe willing to help oversee the work because just not being mean by saying, you know, first timers make me nervous. First timers make everybody nervous if it's your money involved in the deal, because there's so much, particularly with a a fix and flip, there's so much that can go wrong that can turn that deal upside down. And yeah, you know, as as the person who did the deal, you're disappointed because you thought you were going to make 50,000 and you end up, you know, owing 10,000 more than what the property's worth when you're done with it. But for the person with the money in it, they're the one taking the actual loss. So there you go. Rule number, we're going to call it one, even though he's dropped a lot of wisdom, (laughs) we're going to call it rule number one. Be careful about the person's experience. All right. Any other, any other due diligence that you're doing on the borrower? Uh, you know, we do all the basic stuff. I mean, I'm, I'm checking out, are you buying it in your personal name or are you buying it in some form of an entity? Uh, most of the, of the lenders that I know, if someone's trying to buy it in a trust, it raises a red flag because it's too much trying to hide, especially on short-term projects. Uh, because the majority of people out there that are using trust really actually don't know what they're doing with them. I don't mind it with someone that I've got a track record with someone that I've done multiple loans with someone whose business I understand uh, someone who's who I've seen borrow money, not just from me, but from other people that starts to build confidence in, you know, using more advanced tools, tips and techniques in, in their investment business. Um, but you know, it, it's really just digging into their business itself and their background and history is what they've done. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So is there a credit report in there? Is there a show me your pay stubs in there? Like getting into the nitty gritty, what all do you need to see before you're like, okay, I'm good with the borrower. Let's move on. Now I do like to get, um, bank statements to show reserves for cash. I don't necessarily look at W-2 income like banks do. Um, My primary focus is on the property and their experience. That's like the two things in the world that matter the most to me. Um, If if they can't pass those two rules, there's no point in any other criteria that I have. Um, You know, so from a person standpoint, if they're brand new to me, I may ask for uh, some past deals that they've done so that I can look them up and just kind of verify things. Uh, I'm going to do a quick, you know, search online to, to like you had kind of described before, if this guy been arrested or <laughs> caught for fraud or, you know, something else in the past. Uh, Cause I have been tagged with fraud before that really sucks. Um, you know, so you're just doing all the things that you would think like a skip tracer would try to do to find out about the people. Excellent. When we come back from the break, we're going to talk about, the next pieces, the property, the terms, and the documents, and due diligence. We'll be back right after this. 
Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Nina Jones-Cox. My guest today is Jeff Shahusky from bestreifunding.com. And we're talking to those of you out there who are considering doing a private loan to another investor. We're not talking about making loans to homeowners because just, just don't do that. Okay. Like it's, it's really tempting, but unless it's a family member and it's uh, somebody really close, there's laws that very strictly govern um, lending to homeowners versus lending any commercial transaction to an investor. We talked about the thing that is most important as far as Jeff is concerned, the thing you should look at first, which is, do you really, do you really have a good feeling about the bar? And I do want to wrap that conversation, like put that one in a bow, Jeff, by saying on the flip side, just because you like them and trust them does not necessarily mean you should make them alone because that, that is the beginning step of a lot of straight up scams. I mean, in it, when, when private loans fail, most of the time it's just because the borrower, something happened. It wasn't, it wasn't anything intentional. It wasn't, it wasn't meant to be, I'm going to steal your money. It just, the rehab went over budget. It turned out there was a rare spotted owl living in the attic and they couldn't, you know, actually do the rehab for a year until it fledged and flew away. It, it, it's something like that. The straight up scams where people intend to take your money and never give it back. Those people are never jerks. Those people are always really nice people, really convincing people who could tell a great story. They wouldn't be able to steal people's money if they were like, give me your money. I'm never going to give it back. So just because they pass this first part of, I like it when I trust them and I can't find out anything bad about it. Doesn't mean you go, go on to parts two, three, and four here. So let's talk about part two, Jeff, which is the property. I mean, the, the, the purpose of the property is to be your backstop if something does happen with the borrower. I mean, what if he, what if he borrows the money on Tuesday and gets hit by a car on Friday and cannot pay you back because he's in a coma that that property has got to be the thing that allows you or your, I know you've got a fund. So you or your investors to actually retrieve that money that you put in what are you doing in terms of like what do you look for in a property why is that your favorite thing and then what kind of due diligence are you doing on the property so the the deep dive on the property is obviously the first thing we got to do is figure out the value i mean the obvious stuff is right you get the purchase and sale agreements you can see what they're paying for it you they're going to hand you a scope of work to show what kind of repairs they're going to do to the property. You do need to dig into the scope of work and make sure that the numbers are legit and real because sometimes people just have a habit of slamming numbers on a piece of paper and, and flying by the seat of their pants too much. Um, if you don't have the experience yourself to dig into it, talk to a contractor, talk to someone else in the RIA, uh, but figure out if the scope of work is any good. And then, you know, once you know the purchase price and the rehab, that's when the value now comes in. And so you've got to take a look deeply into what is a realistic value, which is getting harder and harder with today's crazy market and the constant fluctuations and, and incredible breadth of opinions between appraisers and, you know, agents and BPOs and all these different things going on. It's getting harder and harder to, 
to take a, and figure out a true number. We're pretty conservative in what we do. You know, so we, we're not looking at what's everything listed for in the neighborhood. I want to know what things sold for a couple months ago, three months ago, and try to figure it out based on a little bit of real history and not what's live. Um, I like to collect a CMA from my borrower. And that for our newer listeners is a comprehensive market analysis. Yep. And uh, I like to collect one of those not because I'm actually planning to use it. My plan is to, is to make sure that the numbers that my borrower put together make sense. And I'm going to compare what I do for my own analysis to come up with a value on the property. And I'm going to start comparing the two. I want to see how far these guys are off. And are they too aggressive? You know, are they, do they think they're going to sell everything at the top of the market? Um, you know, are they, are they being thoughtful in their numbers and being cautious at all or betting it all on that $50,000 profit? And so, you know, you got to dig into those values and, and figure out if the numbers make sense. Mm-hmm. And something, something really important I heard you say in there again, for somebody who's maybe trying to be a first time private lender is if you don't know, get help. If you don't know, get help. Jeff, Jeff can walk into a property now and go, yeah, this isn't worth two ninety. If it's in his backyard, like he can just, he just knows because he's been doing real estate since 2004. And he can also say, uh, seriously, you put a $2,000 allowance in to do this entire bathroom back to the walls. I don't think so. But if, if you haven't been in real estate, the, I don't know, the, the guy seems like an expert and they're his number. So maybe it's correct. You can always ask someone else for help. It could be somebody in your association. And and don't get embarrassed about that. I've 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 seen people what the people who come later with the, oh my gosh this whole thing fell apart and I said why didn't you talk to somebody? And they say well I didn't I mean you know this guy over here is such a well known member of the association I thought it would be insulting to him to run his deal past another human being. No 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 no. There's also people you pay to do that. You can, you can get an appraisal if you don't know values. You can get a, an inspector to walk the property and make sure that the guy hasn't missed, oh gosh, the sewer lines are all cracked and that's there's not even a line item on here. How's that going to be taken care of? And the borrower pays for that, not you. <laughs> when you're doing your due diligence as a private lender, you don't pay for that stuff. Okay, so property value, Jeff, uh, repair costs. Mm-hmm. Yep. Our thing that you look at really carefully. Um, you said you're getting requests from all over the country. You're actually doing loans all over the country. The probably 99% of our loans are right here in my backyard. Mm-hmm. Uh, the small percentage that does happen someplace else. It it's more of, I don't know, I guess as a convenience to help somebody that I, that usually comes in as a referral Mm-hmm. Uh, but I really want to stay in my backyard primarily. I, I don't want to be trying to figure out if my, if what the values of a property are in California, because the valuations between California and Wisconsin are vastly different. Mm-hmm. I mean, even within Wisconsin, right. I'm up in the green Bay market from green Bay to say the city of Madison, which is our state capital. It's a massive difference. Even within my state borders, I jump over to Milwaukee which is a much more diverse city than Madison or Green Bay are. 
and all within the same city, I've got all kinds of crazy neighborhoods and crazy valuations to try to determine. So I, I don't like to get very far from home. I, I want to know that if something goes wrong, because I started my career flipping houses, that I can walk into a house and try to figure out how I'm going to recover from it. And I, that's hard to do if it's across the country. So I think I hear you saying that for new private lenders, maybe even staying within neighborhoods, they feel good about Very maybe much. not even looking at the whole city for potential loans. Okay. So is the next step, which is what terms you're going to offer, um, interest rate, length of time, points, um, how much money the, the borrower needs to put in of his own, is that going to be a little dependent on those first two things that you found out, the property and the borrower? Um, for most lenders, yes. For me, not so much. Uh, the reason that I don't fluctuate a lot is because I've kind of created a box. And I'm looking for certain types of people and I'm looking for certain types of loans to do. I don't want to make loans in neighborhoods where um, repairs seem to struggle, where the properties don't seem to be quite as well taken care of and kept up to modern standards. Um, appreciation doesn't seem to happen in those neighborhoods, which also means that it's difficult in the event that if my loan goes bad to recover. I'm looking for stuff that's just easier and simpler to, to manage and to work with. Mm -hmm. So, you know, my ideal clients kind of fit, you know, for lack of a better way to put it inside that box. And that's kind of my niche. I, I don't want to be a jack of all trades. I want to be a guy that's good at what he does. Mm -hmm. And I want to know that if I'm investing money, I'm doing it in the best and safest way possible. Mm -hmm. So you have a you have a particular type of property neighborhood, um, probably level of rehab. Like there's probably like if like firehouses might be something that you weren't as excited about as something that needed more typical repairs, things like that. And you've just found your little area, and there's other people that lend in other areas, and you like that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, I think most folks, if they if they intend to become private lenders in the long term, they're going to find their little thing too, and maybe they like the areas where uh, people don't, the owners don't seem to take care of the houses as well because they're high cash flow areas. So there's no rule here, listeners, for your private loans other than to say, make sure you're comfortable with the property. And uh, Jeff's particular approach is because he only does one kind of thing. He doesn't have to think about the terms a lot. The terms are always, you pay X percent and Y points, and I'm going to loan you Z percent of the uh, total value. So um, another thing to think about where you need to take a quick break, man, this is going way fast, Jeff. I had a lot more questions I wanted to ask you, but we only have one more segment here. So we're going to go ahead and take that break and we'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. As always, I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. And for the first time ever, I'm talking today to Jeff Shahusky. Well, I mean, this is the first time I've ever talked to him. This is the first time I've ever talked to him on the air. He's from bestreifunding.com. We're, we're trying to give you all an outline of some stuff that you need to do to kind of 
maneuver your first few private lending deals without too much unnecessary risk. Let's put it that way. Um, and Jeff, we, we, we do want to go on to the, the documents, which is another thing that people who are doing it for the first time, man, they don't know what they don't know. And it's super important, but to wrap up our terms conversation, I know a lot of private lenders have these rules about terms that say it doesn't matter how little you paid for the house, Mr. Borrower. I need you to have some of your own cash in the deal just as skin in the game, just so you have something to walk away from too. Um, what do you think of that? For new private lenders, I would never do that. I mean, I should say I would never go 100% financing. You always need something in the game, some skin in the game, some cash in the deal when it's the first time you're going to deal with someone. Uh, one of the things that I usually do is I try to structure the deal that when they're putting money down, that's the first money that goes into the deal at closing mm. so that more money ends up in the escrow account for protecting the, the, the renovation money. Cause I also would never write a check to someone for a hundred percent of all the renovation costs before the renovations ever been done. I've seen Sally, people walk off with that money. We have to talk about that. Because the way every borrower would prefer it is the private lender just sends a hundred percent of the money to the closing. It's it's purchase price and rehab costs, and the title company, of course, writes a check to the borrower and they walk home with all the rehab costs because that's very convenient. But that is another big uh, it's, it's a big cause of scams. It's a big it's a cause monster of scams. scam. Yeah, it's huge. So what you you just said effectively i do not hand people their rehab money where does it go uh so we handle our own escrow account in-house most people handle it through the title company and the title company can then handle the dis disbursement of the funds and the hiring of the inspection company to verify the work before the funds are released and to collect all the lien releases you need from the contractors um, we do it in-house. We've just replicated their process though. So it's no different. It's just, I issue the money instead of the title company issuing the money. Um, but I like, we've actually taken it to the point where we don't even release funds at closing for any reason. If there's going to be an initial draw, which a lot of borrowers want for down payment to contractors and that kind of stuff, we issue that stuff separate and outside of closing so that we can keep a better handle on it. Because it's just too easy for people to not take the money that you gave them and give it to the people that they owe it to. They can just go to dinner on, have a nice lobster dinner tonight in celebration of buying the house. Or, or, or to be fair, sometimes it's not that intentional. Sometimes they've got another job, but it's only $10,000 being finished up. And as soon mm. as they finish that work, they'll sell that house and they'll get all the money back to put back into the oh, account. Yeah. We have this house and something goes wrong and your money that was meant to go into the rehab to protect your security, which is the house goes into a different house. Yep. Seen that. So, yeah. The absolute firm rule. Do not hand people the rehab money. Just, just, just don't do it. That, that would have, I'm telling you, 75% of the problems I've ever seen would have not happened had the lender said, well, no, I'm not handing you the rehab money because then the borrower would have gone and looked for another sucker. 
because they wanted to be handed the rehab money. Okay, so um, last part. So everything's everything is passed. You like the borrower, you like the property, you like the terms, you've agreed upon the terms with the borrower. What about the paper? Okay, so I'm going to preface my answer before we talk about the actual paperwork with this. Unless you yourself are an attorney, do not attempt to fill out any of this paperwork that I'm about to describe without one. Um, this is where the rubber meets the road in the deal. Because everything up until now is I just like it. How am I going to make sure I actually stay safe in the deal? That's the paperwork. This is what keeps the honest people honest. So you have to have either a mortgage or a trust deed, depending on what kind of state you're in. You need to have a promissory note. You need to get an assignment of rents in case, even though if it's a flip, if they ever move a tenant in, you need to be able to collect that money. Uh, you need to get, oh, good, now I'm on the spot and I'm trying to think of all the paperwork we have. Um, we've got uh, construction assignments that go with it. We've got draw agreements that go with it to outline how we're going to handle that escrow account and how we're going to pay the contractors. Uh, I like to issue checks direct to the contractors and not even to my borrower if I can help it. Um, I like to make sure that the lien waivers are collected so I can provide lien waivers to everybody. Um, there's um, just, I mean, good God, there's so much paperwork that's got to come through there. Um, the contractor stuff is huge. Um, God, I'm drawing a blank on you. Sorry. Well, no, and then there's, I mean, the, 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 the big chunk of it, I think you're, you're spacing on, if you will, is that um, then there's work that the title company does. Oh, yeah. I'm that, skipping over that. that yeah, yeah. It's, it's, not like, it's not like you're closing this at a table at McDonald's. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. You absolutely have to close at a title company or an attorney's office, which means you need to get uh, a title policy for the borrower. Very few people who get into lending understand there's actually two title policies that need to be issued, not just one. You also need to get a lender's title policy to cover yourself in case there's title flaws, because otherwise it only covers the borrower. Um, you want to see all the closing statements. You want to see all the fees that are in there. You want to see and make sure all the liens and judgments that potentially exist against this property are getting cleared and cleaned up before your borrower actually owns it. Um, you want to check out the insurance that they're buying to make sure that that's all good. So you need copies of insurance. You have to make sure that in the insurance, you're listed as a mortgagee uh, or, or as the loss payee, as it, depending on which insurance company it is to what they call it. Um, you want to know if it's in a floodplain or not. A floodplain in and of itself does not invalidate a deal or make it that you may or may not want to do it. But if it's in a floodway, which most people don't understand there's two kinds of floodplains. If it's in a flood way, you need to run. Uh, that, that house is going to be underwater if, that, if it floods at all, because that's not just in a floodplain. You're, you're in deep water at that point. Um, if I'm so in, speak. yeah, I mean, it, it is. It's, it's pretty brutal. Um, you're looking at um, School districts on the paperwork, I usually document that kind of stuff up, which kind of sounds weird, um, just to kind of check and thing, uh, approve things. Um, 
Let's see. What else am I spacing on? There's so much paperwork we do. It is absolutely crazy. Oh, we get, you got to get copies of the legal descriptions because you got to get all that stuff in there. That has to be given to whoever it is that fills out your paperwork. Um, you want to get pictures. I like to get pictures and video, which I know most people don't. So one of the things I do, which I know isn't necessarily paperwork, but this is part of my documentation process. I get someone to stand out on the road or on the sidewalk and turn on the video camera so I can see the entire front of the house with the house number as they walk in so that I can see that the video matches pictures because mm -hmm. that goes back to that whole people will rob Peter to pay Paul to, to fund all the things that they're doing. And, and I have seen, I've seen that happen and it's, it's absolutely brutal when you find out you're not even lending on the right house. Yeah. And Jeff, we are, we are just about out of time here, unfortunately, but I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think that what somebody considering a first time private loan should have taken from that actually very exhaustive list of to do's is there's no such thing as an informal private loan. There's, there's no, no such thing as, there's no such thing as, ah, I like you, you like me, let's just, you know, here, here's some money, you take care of all the paperwork. There's a lot to do here, and it is way beyond the, the scope of knowledge that's just kind of like, you're just going to have from, from having, I don't know, borrowed money from a bank or something like that. And that getting help, getting advice, getting professional help if you don't know what what paperwork you need uh, you know calling the insurance agent and saying here's my position am i appropriately insured here is the property appropriately insured here reach out don't just write a check i mean hopefully if you've already done it it turns out fine but when when a pro who already knows what he's doing is still saying i do all of this every time you folks who are thinking about first time being a first time private lender need to definitely be doing it because you are much more likely to miss something. So Jeff, I so appreciate you coming and sharing today. Obviously we could have done two whole shows about, <laughs> about this topic. No doubt. And um, I know it's years of experience that you were trying to, you know, compact down into 50 minutes here, but I do appreciate you taking the time today. Again, listeners, that's Jeff Shahusky from bestreifunding.com. You've been listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing, and we'll be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. And until then, happy investing. Mm -hmm.